The Fitness Reborn podcast is a companion piece to Renaissance Fitness personal training. This podcast is to serve as educational and entertainment purposes only. It does not in any way constitute as medical advice. If you have a medical concern, please seek out your provider. Hello and welcome. This is the latest episode of the Fitness Reborn podcast. My name is Sean from Renaissance Fitness Personal Training, where we put movement ahead of workouts. My guest uh, today is Aaron Hines. Aaron Hines is a fitness professional based out of Nashville, uh, Tennessee, United States. And he's the owner of Premier Performance Training. And uh, really interested to have Aaron on here because it seems like he uh, has similar interests to me in terms of how to train, uh, who we like to train, and kind of similar philosophies. And uh, Aaron, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks, thanks for the time. Yeah, no, no worry. So um, what I like to start out with is like, I like to give people a context in which we're having a conversation. So I like to kind of go back and uh, kind of hear where people's origin stories come from. So, you know, why is what you do? We're gonna get into that, who you do it, uh, who you do it in, in the name of, and um, just who you are in general. So kind of uh, give us a little backstory here. What is the story of Aaron Hines? Yeah, so, so I got, um, I guess you bring it all the way back to probably 20 years ago, 21 years ago, where I, I kind of got interested in health and fitness via a, um, a guy whose son was on the football team at my local high school. He was a uh, bodybuilder back in the day. And um, at the time, I guess I couldn't even lift 45-pound bar off the bench press. Um, one, because I didn't know what I was doing. And two, I was kind of a lazy high school kid. But um, I was kind of drawn to him because, he, one, he knew what he was talking about, what he was doing as far as uh, fitness goes. So I just kind of I took that up, took his, I guess, challenge, you'd say, and say, he said, hey, meet me at the local Gold's Gym down the road and uh, we'll work out on Monday. Um, and so from then on, it was I kind of got hooked on it. And that's kind of where I started as far as my fitness profession or enjoying, I guess, working out. So um you know, at that time, I was probably like 170 pounds, 6'1", 170, trying to play offensive line in high school. So my biggest struggle was um, putting on weight, putting on weight and getting stronger um, with that. And so by taking his advice and doing those things, I was able to um, do so. And I ended up uh, getting a collegiate football scholarship where I played offensive line at a small school in West Tennessee. So um, from then on, it was kind of like, man, I really like this working out stuff. So let's see what I can do maybe for a living. And so in college, um, they only had athletic training as far as their um, program itself. So the program was athletic training and um, I guess taping ankles and injury prevention. So um, it wasn't really something I was too interested in. I was more about the health and fitness of getting people faster, stronger, more athletic. So I ended up just moving schools and losing about 25 credit hours. So it took me five years to graduate instead of four. Uh, but when I, I graduated uh, with a um, degree in exercise or health and human performance with an emphasis in exercise science from a small agriculture school in West Tennessee called University of Tennessee at Martin. Um, and at that time, you know, I thought I was going to graduate and conquer the world and um, do everything health and fitness related. And I knew everything, but that's when the kind of first I guess recession hit back in 2009, 2010. And so um, I was humbled of the fact that I didn't know anything and ended up um, actually working at a grocery store for about a year um, because I was, couldn't find a job and what I really wanted to. So um, from there, I was like, man, this is this is not what I want to do. So I ended up um, applying to a lot of different schools around town and um, Nashville area, but ended up um, Getting, getting in at Florida State University for my master's degree in exercise physiology. So um, I, I finished that up in probably a year and a half. I went year round. I came in January, left the next August. Um, and then I moved back to Nashville after that uh, stint. But in the time I was working uh, in grad school, I worked at a local gym. It was probably one of the oldest gyms in town. It was, man, it was your... Uh, bodybuilding and these dudes were twice the size of I was they could do pull-ups and chin-ups and you know bicep curl 100 pound dumbbells um, and so I thought it was like what I wanted to do 
there as well. But I got I got ended up getting stuck with all the problematic clients who um, no one else wanted. And problematic just means they had hip issues or they had uh, my first client had rods down her spinal column from a fracture or car wreck. And so not really anybody we had on staff knew how to work with them. So that was kind of my goal to um, fix all the broken uh, clients or potential clients that we had in the facility. So um, that's kind of where I got my interest of working with orthopedic. But um, with that, you know, following the footsteps of fixing all the broken clients that no one wanted. It wasn't your perfect client. It wasn't your 25 year old who could do um, bench press and, and, and squats and squat jumps and those things. It was a lot of like, we got to figure out what we can really do with this person so we can set them up for success. Um, so that's where I, I kind of got the, I guess, uh, itch as far as working with those individuals. But once, once I moved back home, it was, I worked at the local YMCA, man. I think I think that's a good place for anybody to start who's just getting into health and fitness. Um, you know the ins and outs of um, membership, uh, pricing membership, signing people up, getting people the ins and outs of what your facility is really about. Um, and then uh, on top of selling memberships and scanning people in, I started doing a little bit of training there as well. Um, didn't like it as much, um, but. It was a good learning experience as, as far as like teaching boot camps and other things uh, with that. Um, so, you know, fast forward a little bit further, I ended up leaving there and becoming a health coach for about three years for a Fortune 500 company, uh, working with uh, employees of Dollar General, Tivity, uh, oh, excuse me, Dollar General, uh, Eli Lilly Pharmaceuticals, Hershey Chocolate, State of Tennessee employees. And we were just basically working to uh, establish health health and fitness habits and lifestyle choices uh, for those individuals who are triggered for our program. Um, and triggering the program is just basically you're fill filling out a health history questionnaire and anything that would consider you being abnormally unhealthy. It could be a higher weight, BMI, blood pressure. We just coached you through that program. And it was a um, every, I think every three weeks or every four weeks, we tried to um, just establish what you're working on, what you could do better on, and, and just to fill out a, uh, basically just a better overall fitness plan for the individual to lead them to a healthy lifestyle um, with that. So I spent there three years, Sean. And, and, and then after that, I ended up uh, a buddy of mine who I interned with um, 2009 uh, had a pretty, pretty sweet gig uh, training pre and post orthopedic injuries uh, in a uh, big time orthopedic clinic here in town. And so I took that plunge and man, I was working with, 80 year old clients. I was working with your high level athletes, pro athletes, semi pro athletes, and just your average Joe who might have been outside playing uh, basketball with their kids and ruptured their Achilles or torn their meniscus. And so uh, kind of being that middleman in between um, the physical therapy and what's next. Um, most people, I think, would decide on stop doing therapy and just going back to regular day life. But that's where I came in to kind of help those individuals. Um, so I did that for about three years and then, um, I actually got terminated, um, about six years ago. And that's where we kind of turned in the fact of premier performance training kind of came to life. Um, so long story short, I started with two clients. Um, I was training in and out of an apartment complex. I was doing boot camps for, um, probably should have not been doing that for his liability, but that's the only access I had, uh, where I was doing stuff in the park and whatnot. And so I just pulled my clientele from from there and end up just renting for my guy locally in town for about three years until um, I ended up uh, subleasing a section of a facility for the last two. And then fast forward to about a week ago, I just opened up my new facility in Brentwood, Tennessee. Um, that's nice. solely mine. So um, that's, that's a lot there, but uh, that's kind of where well, that's why I asked for yeah, that's that's where I am. So I mean, I, I've done a lot over the years. It's just a matter of every 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 small or every big uh, experience has kind of led me to doing things um, that I'm doing now. That, that sounds that sounds great. And yeah, so what I noticed when you were telling me here is that you know, like you said, over the last twelve years, you've done one thing or another. You've bounced from one place to another, and you've kind of taken in as much experience and as much knowledge as you can, it's kind of like 
grown you into the man that you are right now. So you've trained. And one thing I did notice too is like, because I think this is true of a lot of trainers. When people get their certification, they come out of school and they go into the personal training field, they probably have the idea that they're going to work with, you know, young, capable, athletic people like they are. And, yeah. and then they find out, well, yeah, there, there is a need for that, but there's also a greater need for the people who are not quite so young, not quite so capable. Like, like you said, the, uh, the, the clients that nobody wants because they're in such disrepair that no one really knows where to start with them. And so I think that's probably a rude awakening. A lot of people, um, probably a lot of people who go into the fitness industry probably run into when they first step out. Yeah. I think it's, it's a kind of eye opening experience when you think, I guess the first job was like, I think I know who I want to work with, but then you get somebody and you're like, I have no idea what, what to do mm-hmm. or who to do. So I think it's um, being open to all opportunities as far as training. Uh, to f- you're never going to find that one person you want to, but finding a group of people that you can help. Um, and that's where I, I kind of, I guess, going into the orthopedic side of things, I thought I knew a lot, but I knew a lot about nothing. <laughs> uh, so I was very, I was served, I guess you say, a piece of humble pie saying, Hey, this is this is great, but you should be doing X, Y, and Z. And that was just you know more of a teaching point with the physical therapist on hand. So um, that was kind of a learning curve too. But I think it was it was helpful, even though it, sometimes it felt like it was um, more I don't say demeaning or just they were kind of on me for like not doing the right thing. But when looking back on it, it was more of te- they were trying to teach me what to do as opposed to. Hey man, you're doing everything wrong. So I, I think that's another thing to look at too. Yeah, and in my experience too, is like when you when you go out there and you work with people that maybe don't fit your ideal image about who you're going to work with, or who you want to work with, or maybe you get someone with some kind of uh, special consideration like orthopedics rehabilitation needs or something like that. Um, you're confronted with issues that you didn't really anticipate, and so you want to help this person because you're a fitness professional and you want to help people. And I think that's something that all of us want to really do at the end of the day, we want to help people. So you're confronted with something that you didn't anticipate. So this forces you to kind of step outside of what you thought you knew and do a bit more research. And it just kind of keeps building, building, building from there. I've run into that many times on working with people. It's like, well, I really don't even know where to begin with that. I want to help, but I got to go back into the drawing board here and find out what it is I'm actually dealing with and what the possible solutions could be. Is that similar to you? Yeah, I think um, if you're able to, um, it's, I mean, very similar, but it, it's more or less of like, you don't know until you really know. Mm-hmm. So in, in a way that's like, you've got to get the help you need to either ask questions, like you said, go back to the drawing board, do some research, figure out what you can really be successful with um, and kind of learn from those different scenarios with clientele. I mean, I've, I've had um, stroke patients. Um, I've got a client right now with MS. I thought I knew about MS, but I don't know. And so every, every exercise or every day um, as far as workouts are different and by different, it just means you could wake up and be feeling awesome. And then you could, you know, there's days where you don't want to do anything. Uh, so there's there's the highs and lows of um, that, um, I say, disease or that limitation. But there's um, something new with everybody. Uh, but I think if you can learn and try to educate yourself on a lot of things and not just be good at one thing, I think that's going to set, you, set yourself up for more long-term success in a way. So, I, so when I was looking into you, um, I noticed that, you know, you had a, you had a, like you said specifically in your site that you work with people who are like 45 years and plus. Um, now, was that like, is that like an, ex, an exclusive, um, an exclusive um, age, age range that you work with? Or is it just kind of like, is that just part of what you work with? Like we work with, you know, F, uh, elite athletes. 45 plus, um, and it's just kind of, or is it, 
Yes, that's more or less, I guess, my adult population. Okay. I like to I like to consider that forty five plus plus. It's more, mm-hmm. it's probably more of a fifty and up now. Um, mm-hmm. But I also work with like the sports performance side of things, so um, just more of the. I guess I don't really average. I advertise the sports performance, but it's more or less. I really, I enjoy both. But as far as the adult got the adults go, it's it, I have I do have some former pro athletes, but it's also that that clientele range I have found to be forty five plus, fifty plus. Um, they are uh, one probably more um, determined to get better. Two, they have a little bit more flexibility. Three, I think they enjoy it more or they like to show up and um, put in the work and they're a little bit more consistent. Uh, with that, I've tried the, you know, 40 and below and it's not not for what I do. I feel like a lot of that just age range in a way is kind of more, you know, not not me. It's not your high intensity boot camps. It's not your, um, um, I don't know slash orange theory slash a lot of running and grinding of the joints. Um, a lot of things and people I see that are 45 up have been there, done those things and just want to be more move better, feel better and live life pain free without waking up with like uh, aches and pains and having to stretch for 45 minutes before they can lift a weight. Um, so that's, that's what I found that's more enjoyable for me. Um, and so it's 45 to my oldest client is 81. Um, and she comes two days a week. So, um, that's just what I, the group of people I like, I guess. Did you, uh, did you end up, uh, growing to like that demographic a bit more or, you know, or was it like, you know, it was kind of like a, a, an epiphany. It's like, Oh, I, I really like working with these. I really like working with these folks. I like their actual kind of more calm down approach to fitness. Yeah, well, I mean, um, yes, yes, I, I did like that more. But when I first, when my business first opened, I was more sports performance um, heavy. So it was probably like 90, 10 sports performance, 10% adults. And then uh, I guess it was probably a year into it. I just kept sitting around twiddling my thumbs, wondering when the next client was going to come through the door uh, was when I had to kind of flip script. You know, with sports performance training is great, but it's usually after school. It's not before school. So if your hours are from like four to eight, that's awesome. But I don't like to be there every day from four o'clock to 8 p.m. So I flipped the script and I found out to be more rewarding, more uh, they're, they're fun. They're a fun group of people. They're um, the camaraderie in the groups that I work with. Like I've got um, two ladies that are going on an overseas trip for 14 days. have never met each other before. Um, people going out for coffee, going to I had a couple ladies, uh, yeah, Friday going to uh, Costco to shop, even though you know, they hang out and workout group, but they've never done anything outside of there. So my goal with that group and those, you know, fun individuals is to one, you've got to know everybody's name first and last. You should be able to hang out with each other outside of the gym and just have fun. And I found that that from the sports performance side is great, but there's limitations because they can't drive. They can't get there sometimes on time that to switch things up all the time. And flipping it from there to the adults, it's it's more consistent. Everybody likes to show up. If they miss, people call each other out. You know, it's just a lot of different things that you don't think about running a small business with that clientele. Like when you miss, they're always asking, hey, where's such and such? Where's where's Kim? Where's Mike? Where's, where's Susan? Um, and the next time they come in, they're like, oh, you missed. Where you been? So it's a lot of like uh, checks and balances and just uh, checking in, making sure where people are and holding them accountable uh, with that. So that, I think that's a little bit more fun on that side. Exactly. So what do you think are some of the, because you work with a broad range of, range of people and you have before pretty much all throughout your career. What do you think are some of the distinctive uh, issues that people who are on the older end of things like 50 and above really face? I mean, as opposed to, other than like just their age, which yeah. is, can be a barrier in itself. But broadly speaking, uh, what do you think are some of the the, uh, the larger problems that they face that versus someone who is like 22, 25 years old doesn't have to do? Yeah, I think the 
some of the one, the main ones I find or I, I face are um, more hip mobility or hip issues, um, low back, uh, lumbar, spinal issues, um, knee pain. Um, and a lot of that's just from wear and tear um, and mobile joints over time. You're just used to doing the same old thing. So putting you a little bit outside your comfort zone as far as doing different things sometimes is helpful. Sometimes it can be hurtful. Um, so hips, back, and I would say knees are probably the top three things I I, um, I see. And, it, and some of it's just limitations of it could be excessive overweight. Um, they've just not really taking care of themselves. It could be in decent shape, but they're standing all day at work or they're retired and they just sit all the time or um, they've got a froze up joint because they didn't do physical therapy all the way. Um, so those are the, some of the, I guess, most ones I see, but they're also some of the most difficult because you feel like you can, you can get one side of that, uh, their body working well, and it's the other side because of compensation, um, just lack of movement. And so the left side may be hurting and now you get the left side feeling better. And now it's the right side, uh, with that. So, and that, that's from, that's across the board. I'll say the, I mean, the fourth one shot would be shoulders. And I think that's more from lack of use. Um, joints get kind of um, this lack of mobility. I've seen frozen shoulders or just, you know, partially torn labrums or uh, bone spurs. Um, there's workarounds with that, but it's just those are the most ones that I see in that population. And I'm sure there's more. I just don't see as many of the, the necks and the, and the feet and other things like that. You think, uh, you know, like you said, you, you can work with one side and then, well, you might achieve one victory over here, but then something else kind of lags behind it. You think that it's just a matter of just continuing to be consistent over time and continuing to work? Or is it actually like a, there's like a, a, like a, a limitation that you're just going to hit a wall somewhere and it's just really no further you can go? Or is it just about continuing to explore possible options? Yeah, so I always always like approach um, that with I say, um, how long did it take you to get here? It's going to take you twice as much to to get back to where you need to be, and that that may sound like too far fetched, but it's like if you haven't done anything in five years and your hips and knees are and everything are hurting, it's going to take me more than you know two months to get everything working in the right direction. So I think time is one thing that if you can put the time in and be more consistent, I think those things can work themselves out. Um, as well as you know, being a trainer, people are impatient, so they want that instant gratification. Um, so I always like to just, uh, you know, re, re just iterate like, hey, you've only been here for two months. Like, I can't guarantee you um, anything feeling better and moving better because one, I only see you for two days a week. That's eight, maybe eight sessions a month. So what are you doing outside of here? Are you just moping along, watching, uh, you know, reruns of your favorite show on Netflix? When you're not here, are you stretching? Are you eating right? Are you sleeping better? Are you walking? I don't know. So, I mean, those things is just the timeline is can be infinite, right? Or it can be short term, depending on you, you get out what you put into it. And, and I think sometimes that's people don't want to hear that. So therefore, they just rather quit. Um, I've heard this before is like, I might as well just go back to what I was doing, because what I was doing, I wasn't gaining weight. I was actually maintaining my weight and I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> if you want to go back to just doing nothing, that's great, but you're still going to feel like crap. Even though your weight may not, your weight may stay the same, but your, your body's going to know the difference of inactivity, right? So that's just a lot of those, you know, things you don't, you don't really want to hear, but it's just the things that people say, you're like, what? That's, that's exactly it. This is, these are things that people don't want to hear. Yeah, especially since when you know they they probably get bombarded with advertisements like everyone else does all the time, saying you can get this in ninety days, get this in sixty days, and you know it is, it, they package miracles in a bottle, and so here you are out there saying, well, actually this is going to be a process, and you're if you want actual results out of this, then you're going to have to be in for a long haul. So how do you really talk to someone? that how do you really make them come to terms with that reality yeah it's 
it's hard sometimes, but I always think about, uh, I always, I guess the way to think of it for some is you came to me for a reason. You came to me because I'm the expert. So if you don't trust me, then, um, you don't believe like what I'm telling you as far as like how long it's going to take. I mean, I'm happy to refer you to somebody else. That's just going to give you a quick fix, but this is a long-term, uh, long-term goal that you have, or maybe it's a short-term goal, but it's still going to take you longer than you re really think, uh, to get there. So I think it's, being more direct, I think has been helpful, even though people don't want to hear it. Um, I think years past, I would say, you know, I don't really know. And then they'd be like, well, if you don't know, then I shouldn't probably be here to train with you. And now I'm like, it's going to take you two years and you're going three, three days a week. If you can't do it then, then I just, I'm terrible at what I do. So if, if you don't get any result, then I wasted your time, effort and money. So I'm sorry, but this is just the way it's going to be for right now. Um, just have patience and then trust the process. Um, but it's the impatient part. Like you said, it's, they don't want, they don't want to wait. It's too much of, well, my friend did this and they lost 15 pounds in the first month. I'm like, well, okay, well, your friend's genetically different. So, um, you can trade bodies with them if you want to, but I mean, we're going to, we're just going to do what's working now and we're not going to change it. So until you maybe fix one thing, you're going to get better results. And your friend might have done something that in the long run was completely unhealthy. And it's no, for going, sure. It's going to backfire. On. Well, it's just, it's comparison, right? I want to compare what my friend's doing with what I should be doing. So therefore it makes me look like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's, that's where it comes to frustration part. But if, if, if I always say that if you can, um, just do what's working for you and not worry about what everybody else is doing, you're probably gonna be successful. You go. Yeah, just keep your head down and focus on uh, focus on what you're going after, and don't worry about everyone else. Because that's easier said than done. We all do that yeah, too. Sure. I mean, you know, we we go to gyms, we work out, we see other people, we see someone doing whatever, we're impressed by it. It's like, wow, I want to do that too. So yeah, you kind of, but you don't you don't know the full story of how they got to that point. You know, they may have been working, you know, steadily for three years just to do whatever it is you saw them do that lift that jump, that whatever. And here you see it. You've never done it before. It's like, oh, I'm going to do that too. And you find out you can't. And then you're down yourself because you can't do, you can't yeah. replicate what you just saw. So yeah, I know yeah. there's always a, there's always a story you don't. This is what I tell people all the time. You know, especially when I deal, I have new clients, they come in and they look around, especially if they're older and if they're female. They come in, they look around, they see all these very young, very beautiful people, nice physiques everywhere. And they get immediately intimidated and it's like well you know there's every one of them here is, is battling something you don't know just because they don't wear on their clothes doesn't mean that it's not there and you just have sure. to bear that in mind well that i mean that's that's a good point because mm -hmm. most don't know they just see what everybody's doing i mean social media is a bad part too right mm -hmm. so it's the good and bad and the ugly of social media where it's I saw this trainer on this thing and we should do this today. Okay, great. Well, you can't lift your right arm and therefore we're not going to do that. So if you want to just be, um, you know, unilaterally really big and strong on your right side, then that's great. But we're not doing that because it takes two arms to do that exercise. <laughs> or, you know, or I saw this person eating, eating this and I'm going to try it for two weeks. I was like, okay, well, they lost weight, right? Yeah, they did. They lost like 10 pounds in four weeks. So now I'm going to eat this way. Okay. Well, I'll get back with you in two weeks to see if you're consistently doing that. <laughs> you know, so it, it's just a lot of those things. It's, it's the good, bad and the ugly, but it's also like, we, we have a bad, I guess, time comparing ourselves. That's even with trainers or, or clients, whatever it is. Cause you know, we, we, we see what other people are doing. We want to emulate that so we can have more success or get better results for other people. Sometimes that's not the best route, right? Right, right. I've often complained, or I've pointed out on my social media, uh, that uh, the fitness industry is far too youth-centric and far too, perhaps, performance-based. Is that your feeling as well? Um, yeah, I think it's a lot of it. There's not, there's not much until recently, I guess, seeing more. I cater, so since I cater toward that older population, I'm probably 
I may be the only person in the air in my area that really like loves working with that, that group. And so I'd say it's, they're, they're missing out on the opportunity to deal with the older generation to help them be better and be, I'd say better contributors to society or just to the community. Um, but I think, yeah. And, that, and what I mean by that is just, they're able to do more. They're able to volunteer more, do things they didn't think they were possible to do because of their limitations. Um, but yeah, I think it's catered to more of the uh, higher intensity interval boot camp training that you're going to, you know, sweat really hard for 60 minutes and just be jacked um, for that. It doesn't matter what you like to do. It's just, I think there is a lack of, um, I guess, I wouldn't say involvement, but just catering to that, that population of like 50 and up. They don't, they don't, I guess some don't feel like there's a need to work with those people because they're just, yeah, there's not much they can do. You know, they're, they're not athletic enough. So therefore I don't want to work with them. But the flip side is that is if you can make them athletic enough, I mean, I've, I've got 62, 63 year old deadlifting, you know, trap bar deadlifting, bench pressing, and, um, some even like to squat. So I think there's just a missing piece of that puzzle that people don't see. They see them as old, not able to do a whole lot, and it's just going to be a boring session. Yeah. But maybe the session shouldn't be all that exciting for you anyway. So. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah, more, I think you know, it's think, more about them and less about you. Right, right. right. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of like, well, you know, this is not, I mean, high intensity classes, they have utility. I've done it before. I've taught them before. And yeah, they're, you know, they're hella fun. I won't, yeah. I won't deny that. But I, it's not really training, you know, it's exercise. You know? Sure. You know, it's movement for its own sake. And I think that's different from training, whereas you're actually focusing on one or maybe two people. And you actually have like a, a specified goal in mind, and you're objectively measuring that goal as you go along. It's programmed, you know. Yeah. So, and that doesn't sound very exciting. That sounds very tedious. That sounds very, um, very clerical <laughs> in a way. And uh, I think, I honestly, I think a lot of us, and I know I did, when we, went, we stepped out into this industry, we kind of had that mistaken belief in mind. This is just going to be good fun all the time. Yeah, I think that's where some, I guess some trainers will, I guess, make it or break it, right? It's mm -hmm. if, if it's not fun or if you're, you're kind of a, I would call it a deadbeat during your session. You're just kind of like one, two, and then you're, you're not really correct. You're not really in it. It's probably not the person for you. So maybe you should reconsider the, the clientele age range for that. And, and I've, I've taught boot camps. They're, they're fun. They're great. You can beat people down and um, make them <laughs> feel like you're the, the worst person ever. But I said, you can also do that with the older generate older population too. I mean, I, I train in groups of uh, small group training, four to six people. We all have individualized programs. We're all cutting up, having fun, you know, taking jabs at one another, shooting the, shooting the bull, you know, whatever it's that we're, we're joking around having fun. But at the end of the workout, I mean, some people, depending on how intently they're going, they're they're dead. You know, they're they're they've had a good workout, and others are just like, man, that was great. But you would never know it because, you know, they're not really sweating. They just the look on their face is like that was a good workout for today. Mm -hmm. There's no there's no change as far as like expression, but it's also, you know, once they leave, you're kind of like, man, I did a good job today. It wasn't like, oh my gosh, I need to find new clients because these people are boring, or mm -hmm. I was bored. You know, so I think I think it's you can I don't know you can you can change things the way you, or the approach you do things to make things better for you, but also for the client experience as well uh, for them right. in a way. So when you start working with older people, I want to put this out there because on the chance that you know there's other trainers out there that listen to this show or listening to uh, this podcast and. You know, they're kind of having the same idea we have. It's like, you know what? The older population, it's one, like you said, it's much more stable. It's, it's in retirement now. It's a baby boomers love. And they're in their 60s, 70s and beyond. They're retired. They're, they have more money to burn. And 
they're just, uh, in terms of business, it makes a little bit more sense to actually work with them. And it can be very rewarding as we have found. Um, so what are some of the mistakes you would say you've made when you've worked with this demographic as opposed to the one that you are more accustomed to, you know, as a younger man? Um, I think probably the biggest one is probably progressing too quickly as far as like um, session by session. Um, and what that means for me is like you're, you're, you feel like they're ready, but then you throw something at them and they're like, there's no way in heck I can do that. So I think it takes longer for them to progress for some, not all just depends on if they've done anything before uh, and longer to progress just means we're, we're, we may be doing the same redundant 15 exercises, but we're going to manipulate that way uh, from their sets and reps or time, whatever it may be to ha let them have a better experience for the 15 exercises they can do. And then we're going to progress where sometimes I would probably get in and they're like, man, this is feeling great. This is easy. And then I'd make it harder. And they're like, I can't do this. So therefore I've, I've tried to jump the gun too quickly and, um, you know, do things too, too fast. Um, for instance, I had a 80 year, she's 81. Um, I thought she was ready to get on the rower because it was a thing that I wanted to progress her to after like a, five weeks. And she just physically couldn't get low enough to sit down on the rower to, um, to use it. So she told me directly, I, I, I'm not ready. I can't do this. I can't do this. And so, you know, I just politely said, Hey, I'm sorry. I just forgot, you know, might've, might've jumped it too soon. So we just went to a non-weighted sled push. Um, and I think that was super helpful. So I think the biggest thing is just progressing too quickly or thinking, you know, before, you know, that's probably the second thing you think, you know, how to work with them, but then you don't know because you have no, no, uh, experience. Uh, with that person, um, um, I'm trying to think. Like, I had a guy who um, this guy great. He had great matter disease, which just means he's got a lot of like mini strokes he's had, and so his uh, reaction time and balance was just pretty poor. And so, um, I, I tried to do things. Um, I don't know that I, I didn't think would be a problem, but were a problem. So therefore, I should have probably asked to get more clarification from somebody who's a little bit smarter than me to say, Hey, this is the person I have. And, um, this is what I'm thinking about doing. So therefore, is this a great idea? And by asking, it's not another colleague would be, you know, I have a, um, a list of physical therapists or, um, orthopedic docs in town that I like to go to for information. who are kind of in my back pocket. So I like to ask before. So I think the biggest mistake was not asking or not, or thinking I knew the right answer. What do you think you know? You probably don't, so you probably should ask and then go. Um, but that that's probably the top two, um, just for me. It's and it's not it's not an ego thing of like knowing everything, is but just being being sure that you have the right understanding of what's going on with the person to put them in a better better situation and, and lead to better results down the road. Because you don't want them getting hurt on like the third third workout. And then you're like, Oh crap, I've got to explain to them why I don't know what I'm doing. So therefore he's going to quit. Um, so I think the biggest, I guess, um, things you can learn from that is always ask first and then find somebody who can be helpful uh, second and, and, and progress slowly rather than quickly, real slow, like maybe every eight weeks or nine weeks instead of every four. Aaron, what I found too is like when I'm working with older people is that constant feedback to me helps yeah. me out, help, helps me a lot from them because, you know, and because I'm constantly asking him, how's it feel? Does it feel okay? How's it doing? You know, and I'm always just prodding him for more and more information. And, and I think if you do that with anybody, but especially with an older client, because they worry about getting hurt a lot, because a lot of times they're already um, they feel more comfortable to actually open up and be honest, you know, because they see that your concern is legit, you know, and saying like, because they won't just fight through it or just sure. feel like they should be able to do something just because, you know, you're the professional and say, okay, now we're doing this. Um, but if they actually kind of, I guess in a way, advocate for themselves, saying, no, 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 I, I, I can't. I just, I know I can't. I, 
it doesn't feel right. I need to step back. And I think that's critical when you're working with older people here, because then you can see that the, the feedback is genuine and then, you know, okay, we can, we can step back then that's okay. We can progress and do something else or we can continue on. And, and it's, it's a great reciprocal and respectful relationship between trainer and client. Yeah. I'd 100% agree with that. It's always finding what's working for them in the time or in the moment. Um, you've ever, have you ever gotten the client who you can tell by their facial expressions that this is probably not a, a great position or exercise to, to be in or to do, but they're going to fight through that first set. And then by that second set, they're like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't really feel this where I'm supposed to. So l- let's try something else. Um, I get that quite a bit, but it's more or less, they don't want to be told they can't do it initially. It's like, hey, this is something different. We're going to try it. Give me feedback. Let me know where you feel it the most. If you don't feel it where we're supposed to, which for this exercise may be the hamstrings, let me know and we'll we'll go to plan B. Um, and usually they're like, that that felt okay. And I'm like, all right, please explain that. What's okay feel to you? Did you feel it where you're supposed to? Not really. Okay, so it's going to be give and take, right? They're going to tell you they don't feel it. We're going to adjust if we have to adjust multiple times and we're probably just not there yet for that exercise. So we're going to move on. So yeah, I, I completely agree with that. More, more, more feedback, more, more you can ask, the more you can get um, info more from them during that exercise or during that entire session is going to be more helpful than hurtful. Right, right. Have you ever had someone who had to like, who really just pushed back against anything you suggested? You know, to the point where it was like kind of defeating the purpose of why they were even with you in the first place, you know, because. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've had that a couple times, but it's, uh, that's a tough position to be because they're, um, you know, it's not the client's always right, but it, it was a individual referral, been with me for about a year. And while I was trying new exercises, because, you know, you just get tired of the same like routine. And it's like, nah. I don't think we're going to do that today. No, I don't think that's a good one. And I'm thinking, all right, let me think about this. All right, you're telling me that this hurts and that hurts. And if we do this, then it's not going to it's not going to be worse. But then you would do the exercise and they're like, nah, I don't I don't think that's a good one today. But I think, it, yeah, there's a lot of pushback. So I just said, yeah, we're just going to go back to the in my head. I didn't really say anything you know, out loud, but in my head, I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, if we have to go back to the same exercises again, I guess it's going to be okay, but it's going to be redundant and boring. But I mean, she was like all in on that. And it was, you know, it was because of her back didn't feel great or her leg didn't feel great. And so during session, it was almost like an, it was semi-argumentative, but also like trying to be like, all right, well, you know, if it doesn't feel good, then that's on you, but we can do it again. So, you know, I'm just going to sit over here and watch you do this exercise we did the last four times we were here. Um, but yeah, I, I do have that. And some of it's jokingly and some of it's like, nah, we're not, I'm not doing that ever. Yeah, hard pass, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah but I'm like, okay, well, I'm trying to put you in the best position uh, physically and, and exercise wise to, to put you it, uh, you know, set you up for success. But if you're that adamant of not doing it, then we're not going to do it. So don't bring it up again. How do you coach people, um, anybody, not just older people, how do you coach people to know the difference between discomfort and pain? Because a lot of times when you're going through progressions, yeah, you're going to hit another, probably another level of discomfort. You know, you've done this, you've done these exercises for eight weeks now. You're pretty comfortable with it. It doesn't seem like you really have to really work at it very much. And so it's time to step it up a little bit. This is how you get the gains. You constantly uh, you constantly challenge yourself. You constantly take it, ratchet it up a little bit within reason. And this is how you get stronger. This is how anything gets stronger. How do you negotiate that with somebody who is just very adamantly like, no, 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 no. I like this. Let's keep to this. <laughs> I don't want anymore. Yeah, you, you can try and in, you can try, I guess, in a way, be more upfront on an explanation. I always say um, 
pain is hurtful to the touch and discomfort or um, soreness. Pain and soreness are different, right? Mm-hmm. Um, soreness is like, oh man, that feels like I got a good workout. And I'm, you're, you may be a little stiff walking around. You feel like your muscles got worked, but the discomfort wise and the, and the painful side of things is like, man, that really hurts. And it hurts for more than 48 hours, maybe 72, maybe it's four days in a row. Um, you can distinguish that by, I mean, more feedback, right? So it's mm-hmm. like, what did we do to, to make it so painful that you couldn't go home or you, over the weekend you couldn't walk the dog or you couldn't do this? And some of it's just being maybe in bad position and not catching it on the first set. Maybe it's the second set, third set, or, you know, maybe they did something over the weekend and they were, they kind of relay that pain to something we did in the workout. In reality, it wasn't. So we, we kind of have to do a, I call it like a session overview or a session reassessment. Sometimes you kind of say, Hey, this is, this is how I feel. This is what we did. What do you think hurt it? What do you think was the determining factor that you couldn't do X, Y, and Z for the last four days? And sometimes you're like, I don't know. Okay. Well, are you just sore <laughs> or, or is it like really hurt? And then it's sometimes it's always like, it really hurt. And so we, we have to kind of like peel the layers back and kind of figure out like why it hurts. What did you do differently? Did you sleep weird? Did you try to do something at home? What, I mean, did you, I don't know, leave the session and it hurt or did it hurt two days after? Or is it just physically, you know, you're in pain? I don't know. Um, so there's a lot of things you have to kind of like assess, reassess and assess again to kind of figure out what's really going on with them. Because uh, some will tell me, Initially, that really hurt. I don't want to do that. Or I was so I was in so much pain for, for three days that whatever exercise we did the last time, we're not going to do it. Or we're going to go lighter uh, with that. So I think that's a challenge. You've probably found that to be a challenge as well. It's like what what is really a pain point and what is really a soreness or discomfort? It's, everybody's different because I have I have a lady who's got she's got a huge pain tolerance. She's had hip variable surgery. She's got a bone spur in her shoulder, and we're just kind of trucking right along. Um, so some days it's like that really hurt, and other days it's like I'm just sore. So it's it's tough, but you have to kind of be sensitive, or I won't say sensitive, but just kind of open to suggestions on what you should do different, right? Because if you're not, if you're not, you're putting them back in a, a difficult position that they're not going to want to do that thing again or be uh, be that sore or that, you know, in pain, right? So you kind of have to adjust, readjust, and figure out why this is happening, right? It can be all the more challenging, too, because when you, when you uh, request this kind of information, this kind of feedback from somebody, what you're asking them to do too is actually assume some responsibility for their, sure. their own well-being and their own fitness here too, because you're asking, you know, for information. It's like, well, when you were home, when you weren't with me, when you went about your activities of daily living, did you do anything different? You know, it's like you're doing some detective work here. Did you do anything different? Did anything else feel differently? You know, did you go, you know, run around the park with your grandson real rigorously? And that's why you feel this sore today, that kind of thing. So you're kind of always just kind of like probing, 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 and they have to actually stop. Like, well, yeah, maybe I did. Maybe I did overdo it a little bit with my yeah. grandson yesterday, and maybe that's why I'm sort of day. And you know, it's it's a uh, it's not being dismissive what they're going through, but it's actually you know because again, it's a collaborative environment here, and everything you know, it's everything has to be taken in holistically. Yeah, and sometimes they may not remember until like the next session, right? Or maybe the session after that. It's like, oh, yeah, or I remember I did this, and that's why it hurt so bad. I forgot. So it wasn't the workout. It was this. And so it's like, okay, cool. Now we're now we're good, right? So one thing I wanted to ask you, though, um, I want to run something by you here. So I have kind of this thought where, you know, you know I have the fitness industry has like senior workouts and senior this and senior that, but you have stuff that is designated for people of a certain age. So I kind of think, and you can tell me what your thoughts about this are, but I kind of think that that's kind of misguided. 
And it's kind of based on assumptions that might be implicitly an implicit bias, based, you know. Whereas if you're working with somebody, you know, say if they're older, maybe in their 70s or something like that, you can kind of go about them in a similar way as you would with anyone else, just maybe with um, anyone that you would take on that has certain um, um, impingements, like physically or surgeries or anything like that, or some sort of rehabilitative need. Um, it's really not terribly, in my experience, I haven't found to be terribly different. You know, so I kind of have, it kind of makes me wonder, like, is this senior exercises or senior fitness stuff, is this really something that has any actual merit? Or is it just kind of a brand of marketing? Yeah, I probably, yeah, that's funny you asked that. I just, I just got another, I think a senior exercise specialist certification just just because, man, I don't, I don't, I didn't think I needed it, but it was one of those that I was like, oh, I could read it, but I'm just going to take the test. Mm. Passed it. And it, it's more, <laughs> yeah, it was, I mean, I thought it was like super simple, but it was a lot of like, just like preventative stuff, right? If you're mm -hmm. a senior and you want more preventative stuff, that's going to just what? It's going to inhibit or hinder you in certain ways of, of doing things you want to do, right? So if we can, add strength training modalities to that balance training, uh, hand-eye coordination with that. I think that's going to be more successful for those people uh, than just like working on stretching. And um, I don't know. I just feel like they're too simplistic for the senior population, right? Um, if you want to get stronger and be stronger and, you know, lift things out of your cupboards or crouch down to pick your cane up if you drop it or, you want to go from your walker to a cane to no cane. You're like, there's other things you have to do besides, I guess, I don't want to say baby it or the most simple things. There's more complexity to that that you need to do for those seniors. So I think it's it's kind of just a title, and it doesn't. Mm -hmm. It's not all encompassing. There's there's people that physically have senior limitations, right? But there's also those that are my 80 year old one year old client who's man, she's she's a whip. She's She's in there mm -hmm. she's rock and rolling. She does everything on her own. Uh, she doesn't want you to help her. She's just there, right? So she's she's older than anybody I've, I've worked with in the past and she doesn't need help. She just wants to be better physically, mentally, and emotionally and, you know, um, and do things that she didn't think she could do, right? So I think the label on that is, it's kind of, it limits a lot of different people that are in the senior category. Uh, but there's also those things you can kind of probably take from those exercises and implement it and make them more complex to, to help that population be more successful. Right. Sure. I think it's, I think just in general, it's too limiting and it just implies, it just uh, kind of assumes just way too much. And yeah, it's, I think it's also just somewhat condescending in my opinion. Yeah, yeah it is. It's, it's, it's like you're a senior, right? What does that mean? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I mean, it's like getting the discounts, right? It's like, yeah, that's great. But like, I feel, I feel wonderful. I feel like I'm 50, 45, 30, you know? So it's, it's a weird, it's a weird label you put on it. And in the fitness industry, you know, the word senior is taking on more and more of a relative, <laughs> a relative interpretation. Because, yeah. You know, I'm, well, you know, I'm a few months out from my 40th birthday here and I feel like I'm kind of getting towards what some might call senior. <laughs> yeah, well, you feel like that, that number's going to get lower and lower, right? I think it's like, what, after your 50-something birthday, you get your AARP card, so it'll eventually be like 45, 40, and, you know, the numbers. The, the, the gap of a senior would be like this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right, right. So eventually, it'll be, you know, who, who isn't a senior will be who, anyone who isn't like 18 years old. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Can, can you know sprint in ten a hundred meter <laughs> dash in ten seconds, right? So <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, so that's an interesting that's an interesting take. And yeah, I did I did look into that senior specialist thing myself too. So I figured, huh, you know, I don't know if it really means a whole lot, but I think that if it's one more thing I can add to my resume, it might give me some additional clout. You know? Yeah, it gives you that. It gives you just that. Um that one up, I guess. So yeah. if people are looking, they kind of know you're the guy, not some, not some place down the street who thinks they are. Right. Exactly right. More validation, right? So what are some of the, uh, 
common misconceptions about, and I keep bringing it back to the older population because that's my area of interest and that's who I like to try to speak to the most, but what are some of the misconceptions that people have? And we've already touched on this earlier about working with people who are 45, 50 years old that you feel industry-wide. Um, that's a good question. Misconceptions of that population. Um, they can't do a whole lot. One, false. Two, they're not fun. False. They're mm-hmm. awesome. This is probably the most fun I have with these group of people. They got stories for days, man. Just the wisdom and, and stories they shared to kind of help me, right? Um, and three, you're, uh, I would say you're just limited to what you can do. I mean, that's what most people probably think. I mean, I've got a lot of the population, man, we're, we're deadlifting, we're, um, RDLing, we're doing step ups, we're doing the rowers, the bikes, we're doing med ball slams. The only thing we're, we're not doing is burpees and box jumps. Right. And that's, that's, that's what they love about what I do. It's like, well, man, the last place I went, I have at 60, what is she, 67 years old? And the, they, they looked at her one day and said, you got to run a lap, four laps around the building. And I don't know, there's a time frame. She said, nah, I don't think so. Not this lady. I'm too old for that crap. And so when she came to me, I was like, well, we don't run laps around the building. We don't do burpees, box jumps. We don't. And she goes, I'm in the right place. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, it's just you, you can do a lot with a little, uh, but I think they can they can do more than you really think they can, right? So don't don't ever count somebody out who's maybe that senior fifty and up, because um, once they're able to move better, feel better, and get more confident, and and um, they're they're going to come in, man. They if they miss, they're gonna they're gonna know they know they missed, and they're they're kind of pissed about it. Um, they look forward to coming in. They're fired up when they get there, and they're ready to rock and roll. So. There's not a lot of moaning and groaning except for new exercises or the stuff they're like, oh, man, this one again, I don't like this one. I said, well, it's great that you don't like it, but it's good for you, so we're going to do it again. Um, it's going to be a good one today, so let's, let's just get your mind right, right? Um, so I, I think those are the, the three. Um, and, I mean, you can put four in there. You're not going to make any money training senior seniors or the older population. That's bull crap. That's, that's 90% of what I do. And I love mm-hmm. it and they appreciate it. And they're, they're willing to refer their friends because they know they've, they found a spot that can treat them the right way. They can um, meet them where they are, do what they, they, they've asked and also make sure they don't get hurt. Right. 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 Exactly. Right. So, so uh, the dovetail of that, where do you think the, in your, in your estimation, where do you think the fitness industry is really headed? Cause I think, I think, um, Social media still plays a big part in fitness um, just because it, it does. But I think that as people are growing more and more aware of how it kind of skews what fitness is and what it really does and the purpose it serves, I think it's there's kind of a growing movement, especially if we're talking about people who are on the order of things here and then they're seeing things that don't really apply to them or it's things that they're not all interested in. I mean, it's very flashy on Instagram and Facebook and things like that. But I feel like there's kind of a growing awareness. It's like, this is not, this is not what's up. Um, so, I don't know, your take on that? Um, fin- I don't know, trend, I don't, I'm not That's a trendy a big guy, question. So. <laughs> That's a big question, I know. I yeah, so, I, I think it's going, I don't know, That's that's a, that's always a, you know, what do I think type question. The fitness is always going to be there. It's just a matter of what you like and what you want to do, right? So mm-hmm. there's a lot more of the large group classes, the hit classes and things like that. But as far as for like what I do, um, I, I don't think it's going to change a whole lot. What if what I've seen change is people wanting more like one-to-one training. And that's because they haven't done anything in the last three years. So they're not as, not as confident in, uh, wanting to join like a small group and small group, Sean, or I, I take six people, six people in a group. And so they'll, they'll do two to three months, maybe four months of one-on-one. And they're like, all right, I think I'm ready. So just building that confidence level back up, being more aware of what they can do more, more or less. Um, Cause nothing worse than comparing yourself to somebody else in a group. But I always tell them, man, it's like, we're in here for one reason. That's to improve our health and fitness, no matter what you think is possible. 
Um, so if we can all do that and, uh, and be on the same page, then we're all going to get along and, and, and be great, no matter if you're 40 or 70. So I don't, I don't think that's going anywhere. The one-on-one training may, may pick up a little bit more. Um, and I think online training is still going to stay. I do, I do online training and I didn't, I didn't have that business model until, um, COVID. So it's still there and it's, it's for some and not for others. I don't advertise it, but I think it's still going to be something where it's an option, right? Um, with that. So that's kind of where I, I think, I don't, I don't know of any other, there's a lot of the at home things. I keep seeing Peloton bikes on marketplace selling for like half of what people bought it for. So I'm not sure that people want more of that. I don't know. I, I could, that's could be, could be way off on that, but I feel like they want more human to human interaction, the camaraderie, the checks and balances of like, all right, you're showing up, you're doing great. Um, as opposed to just, um, you know, high-fiving somebody on a, on a television screen. Right. I think you're right about that. I think Peloton, Peloton hit it big for a good reason because COVID just, uh, you know, banged everyone over the head a couple years yeah. ago. So in-person fitness classes were either not happening at all or if they were, they were under extreme limited capacity. And so Peloton really capitalized on it. But then coming out of it, thirst for human connection and human, yep. you know, human relationships was really surged back. And uh, I have nothing against online training uh, at all. Um, but I think, yeah, the one-on-one stuff, or at least if you can replicate that the best you can, if only viral, is probably probably the key item there. Yeah, it, it's more like I've had more inquiries of one-on-one the last probably three months and I don't mind it. It's just put it's meeting people where they are and making them feel more comfortable and confident on the things they can do. Um, so I don't, I mean, with that, I think I've seen an uptick with that, but also, like you said, the interaction of like actually talking to other people, uh, I'd say virtually is, is good, but I don't know if you, I'm in a virtual class, how many people are you actually going to build relationships with or you can go hang out outside of workouts, especially if you're all over the, the U S or wherever you may be. Right. right. Um, so I think that's, that's the, the difficult side. You can still have that, um, I don't know, camaraderie on screen, but it's like, what happens off screen or what happens, uh, you know, in the gym is great, but I also like to say what, what happens outside of it's even better because that's, that's, that's friendships being born. That's people hanging out having fun. Um, but also just, you know, being together, I guess it's a little bit different than just being on a screen. So you mentioned earlier that you just changed locations. You just moved to a new location in your business. So, um, where, where, uh, where are you going to go, uh, to from your business from here in your business here? Was this like a larger facility or? Yeah, so, so it's a larger uh, facility. So, like, I'm, I'm kind of, I call it my old stomping grounds. I started in Brentwood, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I moved to Franklin, which is, like, two miles away um, for for this area. It's a huge, huge population. So it's, it takes about 15 minutes to get from my old location to the place I just was. Um, and then I just moved back to Brentwood. So um, I say it's back to my old stomping grounds. It's it's a bigger facility. It's, it's nicer. It's... Um, a lot more um, spacious. It's it's good for what I want to do, um, and um, I've already had a lot of old clients hit me up and saying, "Man, I'm ready to rock and roll um, after two years of not wanting to drive to where I was." Um, so, I mean, it, it's good. It's good to be back to where um, I kind of got my start as far as training in this area, and um, I've built a lot of relationships over the years, and I hope to build more in this this area and just reach more people. So. It's been, it's been good so far, but only a weekend and man, it's been a blast so far. So as we uh, start to wind down here now, because uh, one thing I like to do as a closing tradition, because we tend to talk about a lot of different things in the space of an hour, is that um, if you can leave people one thing to remember, maybe one thing only, what do you think it would be? Uh, uh, Don't overcomplicate. Um, and I can explain that and go for probably 30 minutes, but just be, just don't overcomplicate things. Um, uh, if, if you're confident on the product you put out and it's probably, it's good. 
Um, a lot of people don't ask for the ins and outs of why you program things. They just want to know that you're putting them in a good position and put them in a good place for success. Um, so um, what I say, don't overcomplicate it. Don't, don't second guess yourself uh, with those things. And, that, and that's, that's anything that's from your workout program to your, your business or whatever it is. Um, I, I, that's one mistake I probably made is trying to be too complicated and people don't care. Simplicity is best. Right. It's a, uh, probably, um, it's a, it's an imposter syndrome, probably sinking. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. For 100%. Yeah, 100%. Like if I don't, if I don't make this look and sound brilliant, people are going to think I'm a moron. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing that we're going back to our certifications. It's like I've had one person in 12 years ask me, what are your credentials? I mean, if you put a good product out there and you get good results, mm -hmm. people are going to talk about you. So you shouldn't have any problem, uh, getting, getting clients in the door. Sounds good. Sounds good. I think it's a great place to end it there. Well, Aaron, thanks for much, so much for showing up, man. I appreciate your time. Yeah, man. I appreciate you. It's been a pleasure. Good, good. So, all right. So, uh, everyone who's listening here, um, I will put, um, all of Aaron's uh, social media and connections and website on the show notes as usual. Um, don't forget that, uh, you can contact me. The email address for me is on there as well. You can also, um, as of right now, you can sponsor Fitness Reborn so I can get more guests on. Like, we have great conversations here. That link will be provided um, as well. And, um, yeah, yeah. So thanks so much again, Aaron, for showing up. It's been a real pleasure. And uh, thank you to everyone here who is listening to this podcast. This is the Fitness Reborn Podcast. My name is Sean, and um, I'll see you all next time. Move forever. Take care. Hey, thanks for listening. Don't forget, you can become a supporter of the show by becoming a monthly subscriber. No commitments. Cancel anytime. Every little bit helps, and I'd sure love your support. Also, you can click any of the links to our social media platforms provided in the show notes, and you can email me at renfitnesswarriors at gmail.com. That's ren, R-E-N, fitnesswarriors at gmail.com. If you got a fitness story to tell, I'd love to hear it. And you never know, you might just find yourself on the show. Until next time, train hard. Peace.